I, I love that because God's word does, I mean, that that is the basis. And I know um, some people look to me, some people have asked, like, why do you say that every Sunday that, you know, because I, I just believe it. I just, there are no better words than these words. And, and the more we understand and the more um, we grow in them, I, I think the more we become like Christ, the more, the more th- we can deal with disaster and we face it with hope the more we can have joy the more we can have confidence and everything because everything we need to know to live for god and how to live for god is in here um no it's not going to tell you like who you're marrying or what house you should buy or what college or or any stuff but it can give you the principles of that and so that's why i love that we do that but um we talk a lot about this idea of covenant a covenant of god especially here um, we have a membership covenant and that some people don't like that and, and everything because I think we have the wrong idea of what a covenant is and everything. And so I've been really excited ever since God laid this on my heart um, last winter of just like, man, we really need to look at covenants and what is a covenant and, and how God um, deals with us and interacts because God interacts with us, his people, through covenant relationships. And so it's important. They're all through Scripture. And so God has always been a covenant God. And so we, we need to be able to define what that is and, and what that looks like. And so um, the very first thing I want you to know is that we have, a, I think we have a misconstrued idea of what a covenant is. Um, I think most of the time when you think covenant, you think contract. Would that be right? Like it's a contract, you know, it's, it's, it's in fact, this is what a contract, a contract is a binding agreement between two or more parties where certain behaviors are expected. Okay, you do this and I'll do that. And if you do this, then, then I'll do that. And there's always kind of um, like, okay, if then in that. And, and there are things in the Bible where God does speak that to that. Says, he says in, uh, in the Old Testament, choose today life or death. You know, if you choose life, there's blessing. If you follow my commands, you'll be blessed. If Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. You'll be able to keep my commands, actually, is how it's translated. And so there's this idea that there's this contract kind of language, but it's not really a contract. It's totally different. When, when God is making these covenants, it is not a contract because a contract at any moment says if, if you blow it, if you don't live up to your end, then I can back out from my end. And that is not what a covenant is. In fact, a covenant is this. The most simple biblical explanation of a covenant should be it is, it is a clear statement of God's purpose and intent expressed in terms that bind God by a solemn oath to perform what he has promised. Uh, just, just let that sink in a minute. There is something that binds God. God, God the unbindable, God the creator of everything, and it is his promises. It is the things that he says he's going to do. Um, <coughs> a covenant says, even if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And when I look, especially in our church, when I say, you know, we have a church covenant, there's things that you should expect and expect of me as a pastor and there's things i should expect and we should expect of each other but the truth is is if you don't do what you're supposed to do i am still going to do what i'm supposed to do and that's what god says god says listen no matter what 
I'm going to send a Savior. He's going to die on a cross. He's going to rise again. He's going to come back, and I'm going to restore all creation. That's my promise. Now, you can enjoy that and join me in that, or you can deal with the consequences, but no matter what, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Totally different from a contract. If we lived in a relationship with God that was contract-driven, God would have left me a long time ago because I've broken it over and over again. I mean, just look at the history of Israel. And how, I mean, literally walk through the Red Sea on dry land. And a week later, they're making a golden calf. At no time did God say, oh, I'm done. I mean, he wanted, he, at times he's like, maybe I'll just, Moses, I'll start with you. I'll build another people. And Moses said, but God, remember your promises. Remember your covenant. We're stupid and stiff-necked. But you keep your promises. And, and so I, I, we need to understand that. And I think that's a lot of people get kind of tied up in the idea. Like, oh, i got to sign a contract to join a church? No, it's a covenant of a relationship. Like, here's what's expected. But even if you don't do that, we're still going to serve. We're still going to preach. We're still going to do everything that we're supposed to do, whether you do it or not. You'll experience more. You'll enjoy it more if you're doing what you are supposed to be doing. So, so I, I want us to really understand. In fact, the word covenant, um, it comes from a Hebrew word called barit. Um, which literally means to cut or divide and stuff. And so it's not even like the word covenant. It means to cut or divide. And we get that out of Genesis 15. Turn to Genesis 15 real quick with me. And we'll be going over more of this next week in more detail because this is out of like Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant and everything, which is one of the big... Um, covenants, but I just I just want you to get this picture. This is where we get this in, in Genesis 15, starting at verse nine. Um, he says, um, God says to Abraham, He said to him, "Bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon." So he brought all these to him, cut them in half, laid the pieces opposite of each other, but he did not cut the birds in half. Birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram, and suddenly great terror and darkness descended on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident, will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them, and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and after they will go out with many possessions. But you will go to your fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Ammonites, Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And when the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring, from the brook of Egypt to the great river to the Euphrates, uh, to the great river, the Euphrates River. Yeah. So, so I, I, it's there's a lot there, and and I want to just kind of just break that down a little bit. Here's here's this picture of they take an animal and they split it in two and they put it on each side. And generally, in, in in Far Eastern, Middle Eastern times, back in ancient days, this was how you made like a deal. You would put an animal on either side, 
and you would cut them and stuff. And then you would, together with whoever you're making the deal with, the contract with, you would walk through. And all you're saying is, listen, may this happen to me if I don't keep my end of the bargain. That's literally what it means. It's like, may I be cut in half and laid on the side of the road for, for, for birds of prey to come and pick my carcass to do this if, if I don't keep what I'm supposed to do. But there's something really interesting that I never realized till a few years ago. And I've read this over and over again. But in, um, where is it, where is it? In verse 17, it says, When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. Literally, a smoking pot and the flaming torch is, is similar. It's semblance for God, his presence, his being. Notice it doesn't say Abraham walked through. It says that God walked through. God saying, Abraham, I'm going to do this. No matter what they do. Because, yeah, they're going to be in captive. They're going to be in Egypt for 400 years. And we're going to grow a nation out of that. And they're going to learn government. And they're going to learn, you know, um, um, how to be a society group. Because right before this, if with Abraham, with Abram, I mean, he's not even Abraham yet. They're nomads. And, and I've been in the Middle East and nomads, and they don't deal with anybody else. They just kind of wander everywhere. They don't have any home. They just kind of just roam and roam, roam. And so God's going to take that 400 years and build a, build a nation. I mean, it's estimated over nearly 2 million people when they left Egypt, left. When God freed them from their slavery. And God's like, listen, and I know they're going to be stubborn. And they're going to be stupid. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna make golden calves. And they're going to not do what I say they're going to what I do. I'm going to give them the land. And they're not even going to take it all. They're going to stop short. And then they're, they're going to keep turning around. I'm going to have to raise up judges and all this stuff. And eventually they're going to ask for a king. And God, God's like, I know all that. That's why I'm going to walk through this. Because you're not going to keep your part of the bargain all the time. I will. What a great picture. I mean, that should give us hope. That when Jesus says in the New Testament, Paul writes, it says, and he who began a good work in you will finish it unto completion. Know that that's God's covenant keeping his promise. That's a huge, huge deal. And, stuff. and I never noticed that. I just thought like Abraham and him kind of like shook hands and like, okay, deal. We're going to, no, it's God saying, I'm going to do this. No matter what, I'm going to do this. And, and so, so that's where we get the whole idea of covenant. Totally different than what most people think of today. Like we talk about, it's a marriage covenant. Really our marriage covenant, it's a marriage contract. If it was a marriage covenant, it wouldn't matter. Listen, no matter what you do, I'm still going to be the best husband or you're going to be the best wife. It's not going to be dependent upon whatever you do or how you treat me or any of that stuff. I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be. And that is the original intent. You know, so generally in the Bible, there are anywhere. I mean, just depending on who you talk to or who you read, there are like <coughs> there are like four to eight biblical covenants. And there are probably more. There's probably a bunch of little ones and stuff there where God says, hey, I'm going to do this, do that. Now, there are some that says, listen, if you obey me, you'll be blessed. If you don't obey me, this is what's going to happen. 
Uh, God made that with Israel's, Israelites. He said in Deuteronomy, it's like, listen, follow my commands, and it's going to go great for you. Don't, and there's going to be issues. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be problems and stuff. God kept his word because every time, <laughs> every time they cried out to God, and said, we, we trust you, we're going to do it. God came in, saved the day. And then over and over again, they just walked away. Read the book of Judges. The book of Judges, here's, if, if you've never read the book of Judges, not a, I don't want to spoil it for you, but here's what happens. The people look at God and say, God, we don't need you. The people get oppressed. God raises up someone to save them and free them. About 30 years goes by, that person dies, and the people turn back and turn against God again. And it keeps happening over and over and over and over and over again. Aren't we glad that God is a covenantal God and not a contract? But literally, there's there's a bunch of different covenants and, and stuff. Um, some of these covenants, you know, I just want to give you examples of them. Um, we're not going to be talking about these in our studies because we're really going to focus on four main ones. Um, but the first one, creation itself, is the uh, uh, Adamic covenant. Um, and some people look at it, well, it's not really a covenant. I, th- I think it is. I actually think it is. I, I, I think this was God... When God said in Genesis 1:26, he said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. I think it's a covenant that says God says, I'm going to create something that's different from everything else. I'm going to create something that has to choose to know me and love me. That they're going to have literally my image. This desire to know and be known. Um, that's where I want to place it. And so this covenant, now a lot of people will add the eating covenant, like in many places in the garden, but I think it all kind of groups together and stuff. But but this was a covenant. This is the first one. God says, listen, I'm going to make something and I'm going to take responsibility for it. Because what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? We, were, we, were, we knew we did wrong and we hid. And we've been hiding ever since, by the way which is really funny. We always try to hide. And wh- what did God do? He said, no, I'm going to take care of it. And there's, there's the shedding of blood. There's the payment of sin right there. And the promise, the promise that, listen, Satan, yeah, you, you got this. But one day, there's going to be a man. And you're going to bruise his heel. And he's going to crush your head. There's a promise in that. When we think of covenant, we have to think of promise. Because it is God fulfilling his promise. I think that's more interchangeable. God's promises are more interchangeable than God's contracts. And so there's one. The other one is probably you know it um, really well is the, the Noah. Genesis 9-11. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And what's the symbol of that? What's the symbol of the rainbow? Rainbow. See, I believe, and this is a whole other story, and we talked about this. I think before creation, there was kind of a mist, or before the flood, there was like a mist and everything. And so rainbows weren't really like, it didn't rain. It was just always a constant mist. It was just beautiful. It was a paradise and stuff. And after that, with the change of thing, now all of a sudden we have rainbows in the sky. And every time you see a rainbow, you can sit there and say, wow, God's still keeping his promise. God hasn't forgotten. He's keeping his covenant because I don't, there hasn't been a worldwide flood unless I miss something. And so God keeps promising. So those are just examples 
of, of kind of this idea of this covenant and, and what a covenant with God is. But um, for us, we're going to study four that make all the difference in the world that we need. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> we need to know and we need to understand because they all feed into each other. And they set the stage for everything else about our faith and everything. And so um, there are four major and everyone agrees on these uh, stuff. The, the only difference is someone may add like a little bit. Um, the very first one is the Abrahamic covenant. That is God's covenant with Abraham. I'm going to create a people and stuff. Now, there's some people and we'll talk about that next week. Um, and we're just going to take one a week and we're just going to kind of dive into them, what that looks like. And so you'll hear the story again of how God promises and the splitting of animals and all this other thing and and, and everything. But um, and some people will say, well, there's the Palestinian covenant where God promises land. That was all for me. It's all the same covenant. I says, I'm going to make a great nation. I'm going to give you this land and out of you, all the peoples of earth will be blessed. And so we're going we're to take a deeper look. The next covenant that comes after that is the Mosaic Covenant. That's where God gives laws. That's where God says, listen, this has always been the standard. And there's so many people that look at it and say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. I don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments. Really? Because Jesus did. God's standard has never changed. It has always been. In fact, I, I believe all my heart when we look at the Mosaic Covenant, and we look at like the, the commandments and everything that God put in there, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're not going to touch in there. There's the priestly commands, and there's all kinds of stuff that I don't want you to worry about how to wash your hands and everything and which animal not to even to look at and all this stuff because I don't think that stuff. But the basic Ten Commandments, that has always been the standard. I think God placed it there for us to be able to say without a doubt, I can't save myself. It is, it is the litmus test. That's why I always tell people when they come up to me, they're like, oh, I'm a good person. I'm like, have you ever lied? Oh, yeah. You're a liar. <laughs> you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Well, I borrowed it. But did you ask? No. You're a thief. <laughs> have you wanted something? We live in those. That, that it is the thing, the law, Paul says the law reveals sin, but grace covers and everything. And so we'll look at the Mosaic Covenant and what that is in this forming of a people. Um, and this is a big deal because, again, I, I think we've gotten so much into our culture of this individualism, Christianity. Like, I'm going to be I'm going to be a Christian all on my own. Show me where that happens in Scripture. Because God is always talking about a nation, a community, a church, a people. Never a person. And when he does call a person, it's to lead a people. And, and so we're, we're going to look at the Mosaic. And then then the next one is the Davidic. You know, that covenant with David. And this is where it starts really getting exciting, gets interesting, because you have the nation, you have everything. By the way, do you know Israel wasn't never supposed to have a king? God was supposed to be their king. And yet, in that, God knew what was happening, and he put the right people. In fact, when, when Samuel chose Saul, and the people said, we want a king, Samuel cried about it. He looked at God and said, they don't like me anymore. He was the last judge, the first prophet. Oh, I'll do that. And God's like, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. 
case, I'm, in the end, when God comes back and his kingdom is fully set and everything, there will not be a Republican Party, a Democratic Party, a democracy. I think there will be a theocracy. Christ ruling. It's the best way. It's the only way. And, and so I'm all for democracy. I'm all for freedom. But freedom without boundaries, freedom without the limits that God has placed in us is destructive. And we see that in our culture today. And so we look into the Davidic commandment as this God saying, listen, I've got a plan. And there's going to be someone that is going to rule. And that is going to take care of all this. And the Bible says he, he'll rule for an iron fist, which just means when I was a kid, I was like, oh, he's going to be mean. I was like, no, he's going to be stern. He's going to be strong. My dad was really stern. And I appreciate that now. I didn't then, but I do now. I, I really do. And then finally, the new covenant. Every time we do communion, every time we do the Lord's Supper, we are restating that covenant over and over again. This is my blood. This is the new covenant. This is new deal. It is the fulfillment of Jeremiah. I will place my laws. I will place my covenant on the hearts of the people. They, I will be their God and they will be my people and I will dwell with all of them. It's, it's the promise of Joel that God will pour out his spirit. That is that new covenant that we get to live in. Um, there will be no covenant after this because it's in the process of being fulfilled and complete. This is the final covenant. And so that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And, and we're going to go into that. Tonight was just a really kind of, let's just define what this is. Let's just get an idea uh, of what um, we're going to be looking at. Because, and we're going to dive in. So, so read, look up the Abraham, the Abraham covenant in Genesis. You know, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. And look at these covenants. So God placed everything in order and in the steps to bring us to here today and the future of what's coming and so I, i'm excited about this just to see like wow god you 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 are the promise keeper you are the covenant keeper i can count on even when i mess up even when i don't want to study or i don't want to show up or i don't want to speak or i don't want to be obedient god you're still going to do what you're going to do that's what I love about church. God redeems all of it. I, I still am wake up surprised saying, I'm the pastor. <laughs> okay, God. You're definitely going to get the glory. I mean, just, but he redeems it all and he does it all. And hopefully through this, when we see these covenants, it's something that we're going to look at and say, wow, God, I want to be part of what you're doing. Because you're going to do it anyway. So why don't I join you? I, I love it. One of, those, one of those statements that in the fall when we're doing experiencing God, I love that Timothy Blackaby says, he says, we never start anything new. We join where God has already been working. God has already set up these covenants. He's still, he's redeeming Israel. He's redeeming his church. He is doing all of that. We get to find out kind of why and how. And hopefully through this we'll say, want to join. I want to be a part of that. God, I want to complete what I'm supposed to do because I know you're going to do. That's why I think John 14, where I've heard it preached so often and so long growing up, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
if you don't love if you love Jesus then you're going to do everything that's not how that passage is translated it's if you love me if you really really love me you're going to be able to do all these things you're going to be able to love me you're going to be able to keep my commandments because you love me because I'm going to keep my part that's going to be cool so I'm excited about this I hope you are too let's pray